0: Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Hello, friends, and welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a ministry of Bible to School. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 130. Today's guest is Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family and host of its daily radio broadcast. We so often hear about the lack of faith and biblical worldview in today's youth. But Jim's message is different. He reminds us that God says not to fear. He knows exactly the circumstances of this hour and the people he's placed in the world for such a time as this. So we can have faith that this generation can and will do powerful things for our faithful God as you and I do our part in teaching young people about Jesus and his word. Before heading out today, click over to our website, BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. To learn more about this public school ministry where children hear about Jesus during their school day, find out how it's legal, where it's happening, and how you can get involved in teaching elementary-aged kids the Bible. I'd also love for you to take a moment to rate and review this podcast. It's so easy. Just go to our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to me right now. Scroll down the whole way until you see the stars and tap to rate. This helps others find us, which means... More people being equipped to share God's word with the next generation. Are you ready to hear about the importance of teaching elementary age kids the Bible? Join Jim and Corey's conversation now.
1: Well, hi, Jim. We are so delighted to have you with us today. At you can tell the children.
2: Corey, thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Love what you do.
1: Well, you are a big proponent of healthy marriages and healthy families. And so I just want to start by letting our audience hear a little bit about you and your family.
2: Oh, yeah, man. Gene and I have been married 37 years, and it's not always perfect, but uh, I'd say our trajectory has always been in a good, strong, upward direction after 37 years. That's good. Like every couple, we've had our ups and downs. Gene's family has had some real struggles, and my family started with struggles. So, you know, we all come into marriage with different stuff. And it's just great, you know, to be able to walk in every day, hopefully a little more knowledgeable about the things I need to do better in my life to help Jean feel loved and safe and in our relationship. Then we have two wonderful boys, Trent 23 now and Troy 21, and they're doing well. And I'm so excited. I get to see a lot of them. They live in town here, so it's fun.
1: Oh, that's great. I know I'm watching football with my boys right now. I have 21s <laughs> in their 20s as well. But, <laughs> that's I mean, great. Your name, I mean, people recognize your name, but they you I mean you're an author, you're a broadcaster, you're a blogger. You've been featured on a bunch of television shows. You were in the Kendrick's Brothers doc first documentary, Show Me the Father. Loved that. Loved that that anybody listeners, you gotta go see Show <laughs> Me the Father. You do. But you've been working with uh, Focus on the Family now since, um, I, think, I think I saw ni- 1989, is that right?
2: That's right. Yeah, 1989, it's been 34 years, I think, if my math is right. So wow. it's a little shocking. You know, I did different positions, but I've actually been here longer now than Dr. Dobson was here. Oh my, wow. <laughs> And of course, he was president the entire time. But uh, it's kind of a jaw-dropper when I first realized that, when I crossed that line being here for more years than Mr. Dobson. I was like, wow, Wow. but it's been great. I, you know, I, I think I had my midlife crisis early about 28 and thought, you know, I need to, Gene and I kind of thought we'd give a couple of years to focus kind of as a missions give back. Then I would jump back into the business world and then we could buy the house and have the family and do all those things. But, you know, we got here in uh, Pomona where focus on the family was when we first started in 89. And yeah, you know, just then the offer came to move to Colorado with the ministry, so we did that. You know, it just it worked out. I was never looking for what's over the horizon. I was always like, let's just do what God calls us to do today, and trust that He'll tell us what to do tomorrow.
1: <laughs> I like that philosophy a lot. And focus. A lot of people don't know, what, might not know what Focus on the Family is, and and what you do. But tell us about Focus. Tell us Tell us about what you love to do in your job.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Dr. Dobson started this. He was a Ph.D. in child development at the University of Southern California School of Medicine. Had a great career there as a researcher. Was teaching pediatricians how to interact with children to get the results that they need, the feedback, et cetera. So, yeah. uh, child development was his expertise. He was a firm Christian and believer in Christ, and then he was worried about the family, worried about marriage. Boy, he was prophetic when you think about it back in the oh, 70s saying this yeah. is not the way to go to the mm-hmm. culture he wrote a book called Dare to Discipline it was amazingly successful millions sold he took that money he and his wife Shirley and they started focus on the family and that took off as well and it became a number one radio program in the country c- certainly in Christian radio and it was just to help dispense good advice to married folks and people that wanted to get married and parents and just really took off. And so uh, in 2005, I was made president and then Dr. Dobson left in 2010. And it was kind of like, "Uh oh, we're on our own now. (laughs) The the little boys have grown up and it's been a fun ride the last 13 years, but focus is doing great. We really have five core areas. It's uh, evangelism and discipleship. We measure every year the impact we're having. We just got the results yesterday, so the timing's Ooh, perfect. Please we had 190,000 people come to Christ through Focus on the Family oh. last year, which we <sighs> never think of Focus as being much of a, you know, an evangelistic effort, but the Lord uses the family to draw people to Christ. You know, Think mm-hmm. of that in your own families. How Amen. They were either to set you on a course to find the Lord because of the dysfunction of your family, or you come from a loving home, and it was a great incubator for your faith, et cetera. So, so we just found that to be very impactful and then saving marriages would be the other key for us and parenting and then advocating for life, helping moms who are in trouble to do the right thing by having their child or putting their babies up for adoption. So we do something called ultrasound. So just really good stuff all the way around. I would say we are about God's shalom, his peace, whether Mm. it's in your marriage and your parenting or advocating for people who cannot advocate for themselves like the preborn baby. We're just about bringing shalom into the culture and helping people make the right decisions.
1: Well, I've been impacted personally by focus. Uh, I was a young, uh, well, I'm a Navy veteran wife and I was traveling all over the country, following my husband around. And (laughs) I had these little kids in tow and Dr. Dobson would be on there going, you're not crazy. You're okay. You know, he was just, he was, he kind of mentored me. He didn't even know it, but he mentored me. And, and the one thing you guys have and are you can tell the children like their moms, dads, grandparents are listening, you know, that help to tell the, the kids about Jesus. Adventures and Odyssey. Tell us a little uh, bit of uh, just that we, my kids loved it. I loved it.
2: It's shockingly popular. It's amazing. I did a, div- or a, a chapel service at Liberty University, which is awesome. It's a huge auditorium, probably 14,000 students are there. And so I started my talk by simply saying how many of you have listened to Adventures in Odyssey the place erupted I mean it was like a standing <laughs> ovation I was going oh my goodness yeah it's just such a good product and you know we don't we don't spare the cost of getting top talent out of Hollywood Burbank to do it not all the voice actors are Christian some have become mm-hmm. Christians through that through their experience yeah. on Odyssey which is awesome so it's a but, radio uh, show. It's a great radio show. And of course, uh, we have an Odyssey club that kids can join now. And it's just really good. In fact, we have a Make-A-Wish child coming to focus in a few days that uh, that was their wish that they would come and watch an oh. Odyssey being taped. And so we're going to honor that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's something we do three or four times a year for Make-A-Wish Foundation. Very so kids nice. love the program. It does give them the bedrock, kind of what you do. Mm -hmm. With the work there, just the bedrock of belief in Christ, the importance of it, the imagination of it, you know, the fact that there may be something bigger than us. His name is God.
0: Yes, <laughs> And he absolutely. sent his son to
2: die for our sins, and you can have eternal life. So those are the themes that come through uh, through very funny ways with Odyssey. It's a great, great series.
1: Yes, yeah, so check it out. We'll be talking about that toward the end a little bit to check out Focus on the Family. But today we want to talk about the importance of teaching elementary age children the Bible. It's something that we do at Bible to School. We, we hit elementary age kids in public school. But why do you believe this is so important, Jim?
2: Well, obviously, these are formative years. My own experience, we talked before we uh, started recording. I was in Long Beach, California. My mom was actually only months away from passing away when I was in fourth grade. And she signed me up for, it gives me tears thinking about it, but she signed me up for release time. And there was a wonderful Christian woman. And there probably were 12, 13 of us that would get released from our regular school activity and we go to a room and she had i think she had the felt board and you know Jesus uh, came to save us and but just what i remember so distinctly about this person is just her her warmth and her kindness and she said things that in my heart i wanted to believe and it would become very important for me in stability you know probably i think my mom died in march of my fourth grade year so You know, I had a few months of that release time. So I I just really believe in it. That stability I experienced in that promise of hope and all the things that came with that. Even as a fourth grader, I Mm. understood and, and it helped me to better understand the reality of God, the reality of Jesus, Jesus's claims. And then that just kind of grew. I, you know, I became a more committed Christian at 15 and then a more committed Christian, if I could say it that way, at 22
1: so it just kept it just kept growing
2: yeah. and i would say that's the encouragement you know we don't have to take the whole bite or expect a child to take the whole bite at you know 3rd 4th 5th grade but what a great foundation that's laid when mm-hmm. we can talk to kids at that age to open up especially against the what i would say the forces against them right now the sexuality that's coming their way all the destabilizing things To simply come in and say, you know what, somebody loves you and cares about you and he knows you and his name is Jesus and he would love a relationship with you. And then to guide them through what that looks like. It's different in fourth grade compared to a junior in high school, compared to a senior in college. And that was kind of my journey. It just became more mature, Mm -hmm. more believable, more understandable, et cetera. So I believe in what you're doing. I love the fact that we need to reach children today.
1: Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Do we live close to where Jesus grew up? For those of us living in the United States, the answer is no. We don't live close to where Jesus grew up. Although there is a town called Nazareth in Pennsylvania. There's one in Kentucky. And there's even a Nazareth in the state of Texas. But Jesus grew up in the town called Nazareth, located in the present-day country of Israel. We love that our children are hungry to know all about Jesus, right down to learning where he grew up and imagining what his childhood would have been like there. And you had people, like I heard you say about your teacher in fourth grade, but you had people along the way in your life kind of pouring into you in in middle school, high school. Is that right?
2: I really did. You know, my mom accepted the Lord the day before she died, and that meant a lot to our family. She came from a tough Catholic family. We didn't know much about her childhood. We didn't have the grandparents weren't connected on her side or my dad's side, but we could tell, you know, we said the Lord's prayer from time to time. She would like sow seeds in us, even though she struggled with her own issues and all those things. But there was something we could see in our mom that she had uh, the essence of faith. And then she really made a commitment to Christ the day before she died. And again, that connects for me because that made an impression on me. I didn't fully understand it. But then the Lord brought teachers particularly for me because my home life was so disrupted and dysfunctional that where I found my structure was school and sports. And so the Lord used those elements in my life to really draw me into him and particularly Christian teachers. They just were very different from the rest showed an interest, cared about me, had me over to their home for dinner in high school. My football coach Mm -hmm. actually wanted to adopt me that, you know, I didn't say yes because I didn't want to hurt my brother, but who I was living with, but to be known that way and to be loved. Yeah. Was a huge, huge signal for me that I'm okay.
1: Yeah. I have a lot of Lot of friends that are public school teachers or christian mm. teachers and you know they're always like i'm making a difference and so you you are the result there that that they are so that's totally. very very cool
2: very cool i was just going to say to encourage them to keep going you know i can only imagine some days you're swinging away could you imagine a seventh eighth grade teacher oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. pray for them every day in this country you know because <laughs> yes. that's a tough crowd but the sincerity and i think what's unique for a christian teacher particularly is what they have, They have compassion, empathy, mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. for that child. and they have it in great doses, God-sized doses. Yes, and when you as a child are receiving that, yeah, it can change your life. And yes. I am evidence of that, yeah,
1: that is so cool. We talked about a little bit about touched on the darkness that is coming into kids' lives nowadays, younger and younger. And the recent survey by Arizona Christian University, I found that two, thirds of parents with preteens claim to be Christian, but they only 2% of them, only 2% of the fathers and mothers have a biblical worldview. So talk to me about that. Why do you think this yeah. is happening? Why is this a new normal that they don't they don't know, know Jesus?
2: You know, I think we often talk about culture seeping into the church. I think it's gushing in now. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not just seeping in through the wood panels. It's like, the wood panels are gone, and the cultural negativity is just flooding through the doors, through the walls, as an imagery of what's happening. I think the conviction issue is a critical one. I think I think we've got to wake up to what it means to be truly Christian. And what I mean by that, at least in my own experience, my own life, is the importance of orthodoxy, of course, the truth of God's word. But when you look at the early centuries, first, second, third centuries, I love that history. I love what was occurring. They were laying it all on the line. I mean, their lives and doing it with such graciousness and love and truth that they were martyred, they were killed, but it turned Rome upside down. I mean, you got to remember this started with one guy, Jesus drawing 12, and then they drew 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. And what they did became critically important, what is called ortho. Praxy, the doing of the word, and that's where I think the church, both in order to experience it in a fuller way personally, but also to make the impact on the culture that we should be seeing as Christians, we need to do both orthodoxy speaking truth and orthopraxy doing truth, and we've been a little anemic in that area compared to our early Forefathers and mothers. So I'm excited. I think God's going to swing that pendulum back because we're going to be forced to live it. Hopefully, therefore, our marriages will be healthier by a large margin, not just a slight margin like it is today, but maybe we'll be more committed in our marriages, more committed to our kids. And, you know, here's the thing about what's happening with the culture when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You can't hide a light under the lampstand. You know, the whole all the metaphors Mm -hmm. biblically, I think we're getting a point that the darkness is growing so dark that the light will grow brighter and we just need to be ready to go.
1: Oh, I absolutely say that. And a lot of parents asked me that question, you know, like how do you protect your kids in public school or protect your kids from the darkness? And really you have to prepare them. You know, it's coming in. like you, I agree with you. It's coming in, but um, you prepare with Jesus and the word of God and and you can't go wrong with that. I mean, that that is you can tell. The next generation, I mean, are you feeling like that they will turn around and believe in believing biblical truth? Do you have that, you have that I, hope?
2: You know, I do for several reasons. One, the Lord says fear not. Okay. He doesn't say fear a little bit. He says fear not. <laughs> I've got this. So on the one hand, it's a little disingenuous. I've been around older Christians because I am one, (laughs) but being on a panel discussion on a stage, for example, where that question is asked, what do you think of the younger Christian generation? And I've had peers, Christian leaders say, I'm so worried. I felt like when I heard that, I felt like what we're saying is, Lord, you don't know what you're doing. That's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. The Lord knows exactly the circumstances of this hour, and he knows exactly the people that he has placed in this life right now for this generation that will do something powerful for him. I don't doubt it. I think it'll be even more inspiring than what we've seen in the last few centuries. I think this generation of young people, they're going to experience some amazing spiritual truth splashing onto the scene. A, because that's how faithful our God is, and B, I think there is a depth in these young people today. They want to serve God, and we've got it here at Focus. We've got a lot of young Christian workers here at Focus. It's so inspiring to walk down the hall and just see their energy and their desire and their want to. I would just say for the older Christian, just sit tight, trust the Lord. Mentor those you can mentor, be engaged in programs like yours, volunteer to go be that person at that public school who can talk during release time with the kids. It makes a huge difference. You care about it does. me. Yes. And uh, you know, they're not going to get that from all their teachers. And it is interesting that the very tool God has for us, the love of God, which we can express through that environment, we just choose not to do it. And we will be a better culture if Christians get involved.
1: Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Jim. I'm so glad you, you're talking to our audience about that. We wanted to know, too, about, you know, what is the Lord teaching you in your ministry right now, in your personal life, but also in, in your ministry at Focus?
2: You know, I think, I think for all of it, really, even in my marriage now, you know, I've talked to some brilliant people sitting right at this table, Gary Thomas and Gary Chapman and many other Garys. <laughs> But just, you know, people that, that have studied marriage, they've studied parenting from a biblical perspective. And you know, like for marriage, the one thing that comes out so clearly, you know, we tend, tend to, not always, but we're drawn to our opposite because an introvert likes an extrovert and vice versa. And so we tend to blend that way and we're attracted to the spouse because of what they possess. And then it irritates us. And then you go, Lord, okay. As a Christian, why did you set it up this way? Why didn't you give me the perfect mate that would not irritate me? That would be far better. Oh, maybe not. Just like with the culture, maybe the idea here is to become more like him and to become more like God, his very character. You have to learn to become selfless. And the way I've decided to set this up for you to become more selfless is for you to be irritated in marriage so that you could learn to become more selfless or broken. Mm, And, you know, I think the older I get, the more I realize how much God bends all of life toward finding Him, living in Him, growing in Him, toward those attributes that are His. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, mercy, long-suffering, patience. That's what He wants us to be because it's His very character.
1: Absolutely. and I don't know. it's not like you were talking about my marriage right there, you know <laughs> and I I'm the extrovert. He's the introvert, but it takes that humility and, and that's what we want to teach kids. It's about being humble. They get into conflict as well. and we're always trying to teach them that. But what is your word as we get get going here between? The, I know we have limited time with you today? What encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners today who are, again, moms, dads, grandparents, aunts, uncles, that they see kids that aren't going to church or that they see the kids that they love in their neighborhood or, or in their family, How, what would you encourage them to yeah. do with their Probably with like kids? Probably like three
2: parts. One is scripture is true. So don't lose hope or heart. Scripture is true. So trust that. And then secondly, especially as a Christian parent, I've got two boys, 23 and 21. So, you know, we've got our nights. We're going, uh-oh, what's going on? But If you've done the job or you are doing the job, laying that foundation, and that there is love in the home. And I I stress that because, you know, so many of us cranky Christians, (laughs) we're like, no, it's about the rules. That's true. Rules are important for kids to learn and to abide by boundaries and those things. But if I could say, that's good. So if it's three quarter cups rule, make sure it's a cup and a half of love. Mm -hmm. You got to outdo the rules with your sincere love for your child. And if they can feel that and you're laying those foundations talking about what works, I think that will be sufficient for your kids to come through. The third thing is then looking at the data. I mean, if you look at social science right now, it's all coming in on the side of biblical truth. The two-parent loving family outperforms every other family formation type. That means a mom and dad who are in love with each other and not perfect but doing a good job of teaching their kids the moral values that we talk about in the Christian community those are the strongest strongest families in the United States i think that should give us hope that science the bible and our own gut instincts as parents are kind of all lining up right now and then kind of let worry fall to the side and enjoy life with your kids laugh yes. have fun Enjoy this journey that we have together and make sure they know you're enjoying it. And I think at the end of it all, and your deathbed, when your kids are around you and they're saying goodbye, there is nothing better than having that kind of history with your family that they can lean into when they find dark times.
1: Very well said, Jim. Time together is closing. I did want to say, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, how can they learn more about your resources? Yeah. You have, I know, one resource you have is is that you do something called uh, Bring Your Bible to School.
2: Yeah, this is really fun. We started probably eight or nine years ago. I can't remember the first year we had about eight thousand students participate. We're aiming at public school children, along with Christian school anybody. But last year, it's the first, I think the first Thursday of October, which I think this year will be October 3rd, bring your school day. And uh, we had a million students participate that brought their, their Bible to school. Uh, it's legal to do. We work with Alliance Defending Freedom. They could print off a little legal sheet for the principal or the teacher who says, no, don't do that. And uh, no, they have expression rights just like everybody else. And so they can bring a Bible to school during recess, Or lunchtime, they can read with the other students. And there's people coming to Christ through this effort, all kinds of things. So that's fun. You can learn more probably just by coming to the website, focusonthefamily.com, or people can call us at 1-800-A and the word family. But we're here for you no matter what your journey is in your family. If it's marital issues or parenting issues or whatever it might be, uh, we're here to help guide you in that. That's the best way to think of focus.
1: We thank you for doing that in this whole uh, thing we call life. And we link arms as Christian warriors and organizations. And we thank you very much for doing that, the body of Christ. Would you mind closing our time together in prayer, Jim?
2: Sure. And Corey, we so appreciate what you're doing with children and release time and schools. And I know you're in over 200 schools. That is fantastic. Now we just need to make that 20,000 or 200,000 schools. Well, I'm ready, Jim.
1: You know, so many
2: kids need that help. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful to you, Lord, for your character and who you are and how you love us and the way that you, Lord, are mindful of us. It's almost mind boggling that the creator of the universe knows each one of us by name. You know, the hairs on our head and for children today, Lord, that's so important. I know your heart breaks for the way they're being manipulated and the way their lives are being torn and thrashed apart by the enemy. Help us, Lord, as your body to step in and to be there for these kids, to be a friend, to be a good parent, to love them, to show them the better way, which is a relationship with your son, Jesus. Help us to do that as adults, not to shrink back, but to be bold, to be kind, to be loving, but to be bold in this culture, to say enough when it comes to tearing our children apart. So, Lord, be with us as adults, be with these kids be with Corey and the organization to help reach kids during this release time. I'm so excited about that. And uh, Father, may the harvest be for your glory. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. I don't know about you, but I am encouraged by Jim's positive view of this current generation. As we teach the kids in our lives about God and His Word, we don't have to expect them to take the whole bite right away. We can be confident that as we lay a biblical foundation at this young age, God will be faithful to complete the work that he started. Did you catch Jim's advice at the end of this interview? Do your kids see you enjoying life with them? I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Bible2School on Facebook and Instagram and go ahead and comment on these episodes. Hearing from our listeners, from you, It's the fuel that keeps our engines running. As we talk about teaching kids the Bible, you may be wondering if your area has a Bible to school program available to you. Great news? Our website includes a zip code search under the find a program tab so you can locate the nearest program to you. Finally, join us next week as I talk to Bonnie Griner on habits of discipling our kids. Until then, remember, you can teach the kids in your life about the Bible.